Welcome to AFMA 360. I'm your host, Chris DeChant. Before we get started with introduction of our first guest, I want to throw a quick shout out to CAFMA, Fire Chief Scott Freitag, and also Technical Manager, excuse me, Technical Division Manager, Jonah Van Tile. They were instrumental in helping us get this podcast set up. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce our first guest, uh, our Fire Chief, Mark Burdick. How are you doing, Chief Burdick? Good. Thank you. Thank you, Chief DeChant. So uh, once again, thank you for your support in developing the podcast. We're going to hopefully use this as a communication mechanism to get information out to everyone throughout the authority. Uh, today, we're going to highlight and uh, really begin with our first interview of staff interviews. So we're going to be combined with about 300 personnel. So rather than trying to take a couple of years for everybody to get to know each other, we figured maybe just doing a simple introduction and asking a few questions of staff members would be a great way for us to learn about each other. Well, I, I want to say thank you to you, Chief DeChant. You, again, none of these uh, opportunities can exist if somebody doesn't bring them forward and pursue them. And you not only brought it forward, but you did all the research, you ordered all the equipment. I mean, you helped uh, as much as you could. I know there were a number of people involved in this and, and want to recognize that. But but really, you came forward with the concept of using this as a new communication tool. And I, I appreciate that very much. I think it's, um, from what my understanding is, it's very effective and uh uh, so hopefully it'll take off here with the authority, and uh, uh, I appreciate you bringing it forth. And here it is. <laughs> so I guess that remains to be seen. We'll see uh, how many subscribers <laughs> we get in the future. Uh, just as a reminder, and I think we've talked about this, we're going to publish this not only on YouTube as a video, uh, but also uh, through podcast uh, series on both iTunes as well as uh, Spotify. So there'll be a few different options for our folks to kind of either view it uh, visually or then even listen to it, you know, if they're on going to work, uh, getting workout in at the station, whatever that looks like. Well, I would hope they I've been told I don't understand it so many times that I have a face for audio. So I, I would hope they listen to it more than uh, view it. So then they tell me I have a voice for print, but I, I really haven't put that together yet. But so I, I think that was John Brixton uh, in a former life we both had, and he told me the same thing, and I absolutely agree with him as well. Uh, to Chief Burdick's point, though, let me throw a shout-out to you. What you can't see behind the camera right now is we have Matt Nasser, uh, Abraham Silva, and also uh, Deborah Musselman. And we would not be able to do this without the help of Chris Arrington and uh, Paris Fridge. Mm -hmm. So uh, Paris got uh, got lucky. We ran into a technical issue. He was going to be our practice interview. Uh, so he gets to get delayed for a little while, but eventually we're going to catch up with him and interview him as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Chief, let's uh, get right into it. So uh, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? So I'm a native of uh, Arizona, native of Phoenix, born at uh, St. Joe's. And uh, really, other than uh, about six months old, my folks moved to uh, Tucson. But I just for a frame of reference for everybody, but where I spent from about two years old till uh, high school, I was at Seventh uh, Avenue in Cypress and at Seventh Avenue in Cano, which is a half mile between Thomas and McDowell. Uh, at Seventh Avenue and in Cano is the old Phoenix Fire Station number eight. So, ironically, I grew up right behind. I'm a, the house to the south of that is where I spent my childhood, uh, right behind the old fire station. I can. You can tell a million stories about the old days and the way that things used to operate. But uh, people said, did that influence you and in wanting to be a firefighter? And no. Actually, I was afraid of the firefighters. I stayed away from them. And uh, uh, it wasn't until much later in life that I that I pursued this path. So. Well, that's a great segue to the second question that I was going <laughs> to ask you. So uh, what led your path to getting into the fire service? Well, back at that time, the honest truth was I was uh, 18 years old. I went into construction, worked construction for seven years. At 22, uh, I was married, had a child, my first son, 
and uh, about almost 23. Uh, so I spent a couple of years realizing that construction was not the place to raise a family only because it was so sporadic then. You know, if it rained, the job was shut down. If you took vacation, you could take vacation. You weren't paid. If you called in sick, you weren't paid. So uh, a lot of breaks in income drove me to want something more steady. So I began to look at police and fire. And I tested with Phoenix and Glendale police. And I tested with uh, Phoenix, Tempe, and Glendale fire. And uh, after about a two-year pursuit, was picked up by Glendale and uh, spent 32 years uh, in the fire service really looking for something more secure. Sounds great. Great story. So um, I know a little bit of your background with Glendale, probably because we work together. <laughs> uh, and I know that everybody within Buckeye Valley and AFMA know you on a personal level. But maybe give us a little bit of a history of, of kind of once you got hired as a firefighter. I know that back in, in that time, it's not like today where, you know, people expected you to test around. There was a lot of... Um, you know, kind of uh, uh, light, negative light shed on if you decided to test out of the organization. Can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what your experience was? Yeah, a great question. So January 14th, 1983, I was hired by the Glendale Fire Department. So uh, this past uh, January 14th was my 40th year in the fire service. So so January uh, got hired. And yes, we went through the academy. We were the, I think, third or fourth group that went through a regional fire academy with Phoenix and uh, Tempe. Um, we, we got out and interesting enough, when you asked about that loyalty, uh, our union at the time was trying to get our wages up. And so the council at that time didn't want to hear it. They said, you know, lucky to have a job kind of a thing. Um, so the union president worked with the Phoenix union president at the time was Pat can tell me, and they started to say, well, test with Phoenix and you know, you can come over. So when you ask that about the the appearance of loyalty or the or the actually not even the appearance, the, the demand of loyalty, and let me put it that way, because it really was. If you went somewhere else, I mean you were being so disloyal, we wouldn't talk to you, right? You how dare you test somewhere else? However, Phoenix was, you know, a growing department. It was big, it was it was big red, and there were folks that wanted to do it. So when you worked that out, we started seeing guys transition over. I was hired with eleven other people for Glendale. And at the end of that transition period, if you call it that, of people testing and moving over to Phoenix, there were five of us left. Six went to Phoenix and, and five uh, remained in Glendale. I actually tested myself and ended up declining my interview. And so I stayed I stayed back in Glendale and then, and then just, you know, finished out my career there. Um, but you're absolutely right. During those days, if you went somewhere else, oh, it was, you know, it just – you were a, a black sheep of the family because you wanted to leave. How could you leave and go someplace else? Um, so you didn't see as much movement. I mean, there was movement, don't get me wrong. Then probably in the later 90s, early 2000s, then we started to see the migration. That's when it started to be Sun City West would test with Glendale or Phoenix or Peoria or somewhere. And, you know, maybe the Buckeye Valley guys, they'd want to test someplace. And I called it the salmon run back then. You'd sort of go from a little to bigger to bigger to bigger. And then finally you got over to, to Phoenix where they were trying to get to. Um, so it became a little more acceptable, but uh, overall the way you described it is, is really accurate that when people left, it just wasn't met well. Now I think today I emphasize this and I appreciate you opening this up. I think today we need to look at it that you're loyal to the fire profession the EMS profession. It's not about loyalty necessarily to the organization. Do you need to be loyal to your organization? Absolutely. But if you want to move on, take the opportunity to move on. Um, oh, and I think that's a perfect summary of kind of where I was trying to head. 
Um, I think nowadays it's more of, are you a good fit for the organization? And we're not going to hold it against you, right? We yeah. want to, we want to retain our employees. We have excellent employees with an AFMA, Buckeye Valley, uh, or the NAFMA, as I think Chief Crandall called it <laughs> at the labor management yeah. retreat a couple of weeks ago, the next AFMA. Next AFMA yeah. But we want people to be happy and we want you to enjoy your career. So I think that's just one change that, that you and I have both seen, you know, over the various years we've been on the fire service. What are some other things, you know, that you've, you've kind of seen that really it's a progression in a, in a more positive way from when you started back in 1983? Well, first and foremost, I'll tell you, one, I've got to jump back some, be careful when we say NAFMA, because now people are going to think we're saying North American Fire Medical Authority, <laughs> and then we'll get beat up on that one. Um, and and, and just to be clear, <laughs> that is uh, just a joke, okay? Yeah. Nothing, nothing is being changed with our name. It's, it's the next... Uh, APA's chief, or, uh, chief Crandall, uh, Dr. Crandall said, I agree with you. Um, he, uh, sorry about, we keep going through iterations. It's just the next version of the authority. Um, back to the changes. I wrote tailboard. I mean, when I got hired, it was, uh, that was a common practice. Uh, what they moved to when I got hired was you put a strap around your waist instead of just hanging onto the truck with no sense of restraint at all. Um, we migrated into, we got off the tailboard. You sat in the back seat. We had rear facing seats. They were open cab. In the rear, uh, that moved to an enclosed cab, um, fully enclosed. The, you know, we fought fire where if it was, uh, if it wasn't a structure fire, you didn't put an air pack on. You fought car fires, no air pack. You fought a dumpster fire, no air pack. A shed fire, no air pack. You did overhaul, no air pack. I mean, I can go on and on with those things today. Uh, we now, you know, insist that you keep, uh, your, uh, breathing apparatus on e even during overhaul on a car fire, anything like that. Two sets of turnouts day. We did two sets of turnouts. Um, hazmat came in. I first assigned on a hazmat. You know, I was a tox medic. Uh, I wasn't even hazmat certified, but we were on a crew cab pickup with a utility bed on the back. That was our hazmat vehicle. So when you talk about the evolution, it's been fascinating because, like I said, now a hazmat truck is a size of an engine and, and uh, ladders are, you know, we were on an old open cab snorkel, they called it. It was a little articulating 80 foot boom. It was, I think people would be terrified to get out today. Um, now we look at these ladders, you know, 110 feet, 120 feet and, uh, solid platforms, solid ladders. It's, uh, uh, you know, that all that technology has been amazing to me. Um, communication wise, I mean, we had pagers, <laughs> you know, yes, I asked a group of high school students one day if they were familiar with the pager. Not one kid knew what I was talking about. So, you know, those type of things. We used to get toned out, and if you anybody happened to watch the 100-year-old reruns of Emergency, all the different tones, eh, 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 that kind of thing, we used to get all those tones. You listen, the last couple of tones was your company. Um, so amazing changes. I, I should stop there, but I, I just can't even think to list all of the things um, that we've seen. And TRT, we jumped off of, of a ladder with a, a rope that was, you know, 10 years old and as long as it didn't look frayed, you kept using it. You know, today it's one use and it's done. I mean, safety was different, uh, far different. Uh, our health and wellness was was far different. Um, I think Chief Brunacini, great man, I think he said it best. We used to take better care of our trucks than our people. So I think that's the biggest change. And that's actually a perfect segue um, to future podcasts that we're going to have. We're going to talk specifically about the cancer prevention grant that we received. Yeah. Uh, with Chief Nixon and also with a couple of our employees who have unfortunately had to deal with some some cancer issues. Uh, and then we will talk also with David Alling in the future about the wellness program and kind of what's happening with that. Those are uh, very, very positive things that, that have happened within the fire service for us. Absolutely. And it's our priority now, really. We're, we're just discussing this. We need to look at developing out our wellness and, and health program into something a little more, I shouldn't even say a little, far more robust than what we've had. We've been kind of 
dancing around this for a while. It's time we just get fully, fully engaged in it. It's as important as putting out our fires or saving lives. I mean, really, the lives we're saving now are our own, our own folks, and that's what's paramount. So, Okay, so we probably should move on, like you said, because we could talk um, tons <laughs> probably for the full day about just changes we've seen within the fire service. So um, can you explain or just talk a little bit about your path of how you got to being the fire chief of AFMA today and, and kind of that gap between 1983 and now and everything that you did in between there? Well, just suck some helium and talk really fast. I feel that, that got hired in '83. I was I was amazed because back then you got trained EMT in the academy, so half your day was out on the grinder, half your day was in class getting your EMT cert. Got out of uh, April, in January first, nineteen eighty four. I was in paramedic school. Um, I was joking people. We thought it was a holiday. There's no way, and we went in there at eight o'clock. Got out at five, and you know it was the grind for six months. Uh, got certified as a paramedic. Uh, went on through my career about seven, eight years on the job, promoted engineer, uh, nine years on the job, promoted captain. I remained a captain for quite a few years, served on an engine company, served uh, uh, back then, you know, you had to, if you were a medic, you couldn't get on the ladder because that was a BLS uh, truck at the time, but I'd uh, work overtime on the ladder. So I got a little bit of ladder time, not a lot. And then um, went in as, uh, then it was called the the FIT, the field incident technician, we evolved into the ISO, the incident safety officer, and which is now the BSO. So I was the BSO for about four years, promoted battalion chief. Uh, in the one year I spent as battalion chief, I spent six months in the field running calls, going on uh, fires. And the back six months, I was an admin. And then an absolutely unique opportunity. Um, and I will tell you, it emphasized something my father taught me his whole life about education. While this was all going on, I decided to go back and pursue my degrees, got my bachelor's degree, went on, uh, just stayed right in school, uh, completed my master's. Uh, at at the one-year mark of my um, battalion chief uh, promotion, uh, we had a fire chief go on what was called a sabbatical at the time. Uh, so he went, basically was put on administrative leave for three months, and they wanted interim chief. And I was the only chief of the eight that applied that had a master's degree. So they, our city manager at the time had a doctorate and he, they believed in education, said, we'll give you this opportunity. And uh, that was in, I think it was like September 22nd of 2001, right after 9-11, became the interim chief. August of 2002, I went through a process uh, and was promoted to fire chief. So 2002 to 2015, when I retired from Glendale, served as a fire chief there. Made an unsuccessful run for mayor, lost by 405 votes, but I'm over it. Um, then 405 exactly? Yeah, exactly. Just, just approximately? No, no, no. I, I approximate the number of votes cast. A little over 26,000, lost by 405, like I say, but I'm over it. Um, anyway, uh, started a little consulting thing, and it was actually doing some co consulting for various uh, different agencies. And uh, uh, Rob Bisco called me, chief of then North County, and said, hey, will you do some work for us? So I started doing a little bit of work for him. And he said, look, we're bringing Sun Lakes in. We're going to form uh, Arizona Fire Medical Authority. And you want to come to work? At the time I needed health care and a job. So he was very gracious to give me a job. Uh, came to work for the authority for two years. The first year I was the strategic initiatives director. The second year I was the assistant chief. Then the opportunity to be the Buckeye Valley chief came up. Went there. Spent about two and a half years there. And Chief Bisco reached out to me. He said, I'm looking at retiring. I think I want to, you know, leave a little bit sooner out of the drop. And if you can bring Buckeye Valley in, then, you know, you'll be the next chief of the authority. And I said, Chief Fisco, with all due respect, you don't hire the fire chief. The board does. So he set up meetings with the board. We went around and we talked to, to all the board members. And 
the next thing I knew, I was signing a contract, and uh, here I was, and and we uh, brought Buckeye Valley into the authority, and, and especially because it was the right thing to do for Buckeye Valley. So so the authority grows, and and uh, I got to come over with it. <laughs> so that's that's basically how I got back into where I am today. That's an amazing story, and thank you for sucking the helium. We probably could have talked once again for a couple of hours yeah, about yeah. your path. Okay, so uh, last question I have for you. Tell us one thing about yourself that no one would know. You know, that's a tough one. I was trying to think about this because uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty open person. I mean, uh, many years ago, when we were back in our previous life at the city, we hired a marketing person named Julie Waters, and she worked for Channel 12 News. She was a weekend anchor and a reporter. And one day I was telling her that I had a prostate issue, and she said, you know, Mark, in all my years working, I've never had some my boss talk to me about a prostate problem. So I'm a pretty open, open person. Um, I think the thing that nobody knows is when I go home at night, I actually don't talk as much as I do at work. And nobody believes that. But I kind of get talked out at work and I go home and I'm actually fairly quiet. Um, there's times I have my my rants, don't get me wrong. But uh, a lot of times I sit quietly and read the news or read something or whatever, or if wife turns on something we're watching. But I think people here would be amazed to see me actually sit in silence for more than 30 seconds. That's that's awesome, too. So I, I might just validate that by interviewing Colleen in the future. We'll see what, what she has to say about that. <laughs> yeah, trust but verify. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you for joining us today. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap up here? Uh, no, I just want to thank you for the opportunity. And again, I hope this takes off. I don't want us to be, you know, off a dull start interviewing the fire chief. Um, I think there's some really dynamic individuals we've got. I think you've got some fantastic topics and looking forward to the future. I look to hear your podcast with our different divisions. Our folks, all of it, we've got a quality group here. We really do from, from our boot firefighter to our senior members. I think probably most senior, but, but I think, uh, uh, not saying the quality there, but I'm saying I think when the folks hear what what you deliver to them through this process, they're going to realize that we're on the cutting edge and and we just need to to continue to find both the financial and physical resources we need to to really position the authority in a great place. But I'm excited to see what's what the, this podcast holds for the future. I really am, Chief Chan. I thank you for for kicking this thing off and for, for the idea and for getting it going. Hopefully, this grows and. And again, folks will see where we're going and what we're doing. Be no, great. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, please tune in in the future. Uh, we will cover a lot of different topics. Um, once again, we're going to highlight some programs. Definitely do all the staff interviews. It's going to take us a while. It's probably going to take us a couple of years to get through all the staff members. Uh, but once again, we just want to use this as another communication tool to try to get information out to everybody. Yeah. So, And you'll use it for operations and for different you know, tackle delivery and things like that, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We're going to, um, not only with operations, um, we'll, we'll review incidents uh, with the incident commander, and we actually will have a monitor so we can kind of walk through those incidents. Oh. Uh, EMS can use it as well to deliver training, and then the training division can also use it. Uh, so the equipment that we have here is uh, top of the line, and we're going to try to use this as, uh, as much as we can to get information out. Good. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank okay. You very much. Thank you, Chief. Right. Thank you.